Good day and welcome to Cross Faith Bible Ministries, Bible Studies. <clears throat> we'll be continuing on in the Gospel of John. We'll be covering verses 29 through 42 in chapter 1 in today's lesson. And the title of today's lesson is John Testifies About Jesus. Reviewing from last week, we saw where John the Baptist denies being the Messiah. And we know that John had a huge following. He was baptizing people at the River Jordan. He was teaching. He was preaching a message on repentance. And he was teaching the people about the kingdom of God. And because he had such a huge following, we know that the Pharisees, they sent Levites and they sent priests. And they wanted to ask John if he really was the Messiah. And we know that John tells them that he wasn't the Messiah. But the one coming after him, talking about Jesus, Remember, John paved the way for Jesus. And although that John was born in the flesh before Jesus, the scripture told us that Jesus was always there before him. And John says that he, he is going to surpass me, which means this, that it points to the divinity. It points to Jesus being eternal in last week's lesson. So he's talking about Jesus, that Jesus is the one coming after him. That he's trying to point people, he's trying to let people know back in his time, back in this time, that Jesus really was the Messiah. So what we're going to see in today's lesson is that Jesus comes to John, and he asks John to be baptized. And while John is baptizing Jesus, John gets revelation from God. He hears God about who Jesus really is. So that being said, open up your Bibles to John chapter 1 starting in verse 29, and verse 29 states this. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was always there before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave his, this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I have testified that this is God's chosen one. The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, behold, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following. He asked them, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi. And this means teacher. Where are you staying? They, they said. And Jesus replied, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said. So he followed Jesus. And the first thing that Andrew did was to go find his brother Simon and to tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated into Peter. 
So let's go back to verse 29. And verse 29 starts off by saying this. The very next day, so remember, John the Baptist was baptizing people. The, the Pharisees sent Levites, they sent priests to go ask John if he was the Messiah. They go back to the Pharisees and they say that he is not. So the Pharisees themselves come back to John in last week's lesson. And they continue talking about the Messiah. That the Messiah should be the one baptizing. So the very next day in verse 29, the scripture tells us, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So let's look at that phrase, Lamb of God. When we speak about the Lamb of God, you got to remember that this is always speaking about the Passover Lamb in biblical language, in biblical terms. So we're not just talking about any lamb here. But we're talking about a Passover sacrificial lamb. And why is that so important, you say? Because Passover is related to redemption. We said this over and over many times. Redemption is God calling people, his chosen people. In other words, that God is purchasing people for himself. And you might ask, what is he doing this for? For his kingdom. So what John is telling us here is that all this comes about because of the work of that sacrificial lamb. And look what else the scripture tells us. Who takes away the sins of the world. Now this phrase, takes away in Hebrew, can also be related or mean lifting up. And we know that Jesus was lifted up by the Father. So if we look at the Old Testament and we look at prophets of the Old Testament, you're going to see that throughout the prophets, they speak about Messiah. They, they speak about the one that is anointed, the one that is to come. Let me give you an example. If you look at the prophet Ezekiel, in the, the book of Ezekiel, one of the ways that Messiah is spoken of in Hebrew language, they, it's called a nasi. In Hebrew, this term means to be lifted up. So most people, when you look at this and they say, Lift it up and they say, Jesus on the cross, they say, your sins are taken away because he was lifted up on the cross. Now we know this, that we know that the father himself lifted up Jesus on the third day. So, so we see this word throughout Old Testament that it points to Messiah, that it, it, it points to the one you can say being lifted up. And that's what God wants us to see here, right? Another example, we can go to the book of Psalms written, written by King David in, in verse 32. And you can look that up yourself in Psalm 32. But what Psalm 32, what David is saying here, he's talking about the one that was blessed because of his sins that were being lifted up from him. In other words, they were being removed. So we can say that this phrase is used as a means of redemption. And it's related to Yeshua, Messiah, the Christ, our Savior. Amen? So he's letting us know here that Jesus came to be that sacrificial lamb. That's what's going on in this text, in this verse. Where the sins of the world were laid upon him. But because Jesus did the Father's will, we know he did it perfectly, right? He took away the sins. He bore the sins of the world on his shoulders. And if we have a relationship with him, if we repent of our sins, if we confess of our sins and we walk with Jesus and we obey Jesus, that we know that that is taken away from us, right? 
You see, with John and all the writers of the Bible, what they want us to see here is that Jesus came for all of humanity. He just didn't come for a few people. He just didn't come for his chosen people, which we know are the Jewish people, right? But he came for all of humanity. You see, God's intention is that for everyone on this earth to be saved, everyone on this earth to have everlasting life. Now, we know that's not going to happen, but that's God's intention. Amen. Verse 30. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So we see this phrase over and over. This is the third time in, in John chapter 1 that we see this scripture. So we know that it is important that John says about Yeshua that, that although I was in human form born, born before Jesus, that Jesus has surpassed me because he was always before me. In other words, this speaks about the divinity of Jesus, the one who was, is, and forever will be, we can say, right? Once again, it speaks about how Jesus is eternal. So we see that the gospel of John speaks about how Jesus is fully man, but he's also fully God. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, and the reason why God became man is in order to redeem man, right? See, there's no other way that God can do it. The scripture tells us and points to us that God looked to see if there was anybody else that was there to help. Anybody else that can, that can do what Jesus did, but there wasn't. So what God did is God had to come down from the heavens in man form, in human form, as Jesus, Yeshua. He bore the sins of the world to take away the sins so we can be redeemed, so we can have everlasting life with him in the eternal kingdom of heaven, in the eternal kingdom of God. Amen. Now, what else can we take from the scripture, you say? You see, although John the Baptist, John the Baptist was well known. We know that there was many, many people that followed him. He had a huge following back in his time. He attracted large crowds. But you know what? John was content for Jesus to take the higher place. See, this shows us here that this is true humility. In other words, the basis of great preaching that John was doing, great teaching, right? The huge following that he had, that wasn't through him. That was through God that anointed him, right? Because he was doing the work of the Father. So when we are content, this is the message I want you to see here. When we are content to do as God wants us to do, and we let Jesus be honored for that, then God's going to do great things through you for his kingdom. Amen? Because that's exactly what he did with John. See, John kept saying, I'm not the Messiah. The one coming after me is going to surpass me. He's greater. John was saying he's greater than me. That's the one you need to follow. That, I'm just here preaching a message about repentance. I'm just here to baptize you with water. But the one coming after me is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. It's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'm just here to preach repentance because repentance washes away sin. That's what water does. It's symbolic to washing away. But Jesus, he said, Yeshua, Messiah, the one coming after me, will baptize you in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit. In other words, he is the one that will wipe away your sin forever. Amen? Verse 31. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water 
was that he might be revealed to Israel. So look at that first text that says, I myself did not know him. You see, although they were cousins, and you're going to hear this phrase over and over in the next several verses, I myself did not know him. John is telling us, although we were cousins, I really didn't understand the calling that Jesus had before God gave me revelation, before God gave me insight. But the reason the scripture says, the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Now remember, John had a calling from God. And that calling was to baptize people at the Jordan River, the River Jordan, and to preach about repentance and to teach about the kingdom of heaven, that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And, and basically this message was for both Jew and Gentile, but he's basically pointing it out here to be re revealed to Israel. See, John was paving the way for Jesus, and he wanted the Jews to understand who Jesus really was, that he really was the Messiah. So over and over, John tried to point or tried to tell the Jews about Jesus. See, John was baptizing with water, because water is a sign of change a turning away from your sins, a washing away of the sins. But John says, the one coming after me, he's going to be baptized. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he is the one that will completely wash away and wipe away all of your sins. Verse 32, then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Now let's look at the word testimony here. The word testimony here means to, to give or have knowledge or information of. So John has revelation from God the Father. That's what the scripture is telling us. And how did this happen? Well, we know when John was baptizing Jesus in the river Jordan, when Jesus comes to John and says, baptize me, what does John say? Baptize you. <laughs> you should be baptizing me, right? But you see, Jesus did that because Jesus came down as human form. God came down as human form. And, and, and he wanted to the people to know, right? I'm no different than you in an aspect of the human form, but I'm God. So he tells John, baptize me. And we know that that was a reason that Jesus came was not only to be baptized by John, but because of what's fixing to take place. Because you see, when John was baptizing Jesus, what happened? The scripture tells us that the heavens opened up. And a dove came down. Now, dove represents, remember, peace and joy, right? Biblically, dove represents God showing and guiding his hand and his everlasting peace over all believers, over all followers who truly believe in him and follow him. And, and, and when that happened, a voice from heaven spoke, said, this is my beloved son, the one who I am well pleased. Listen to him. See, that was insight from God to John, to let John the Baptist know that this is really the Messiah. See, John the Baptist knew he had a calling on his life, and that was to pave the way for Jesus. But he truly didn't understand who Jesus was until Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. So in the scripture, we see that John is given revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is our Savior, that he is the chosen one. Right? Verse 33. And I myself did not know him. Here it is again. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one 
who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So we see here again that although they were cousins, right? They probably spent a lot of time together as youngsters. John really didn't know the calling that God had on Jesus' life, right? It wasn't until God the Father revealed it to John. That's what he's saying here, right? You see, John the baptism was baptizing with water. It was preparatory because it was for repentance and, and it symbolized the washing away of sins. But Jesus, God says right here in the scripture, John says that God told him, he's gonna be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And John seen this. John seen that dove come down, which represents peace and joy. And the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus would, would, would send the Holy Spirit to all believers, all followers. Because the Holy Spirit, what it does, it empowers them to live a life according to the commandments of God. According to, to our relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus to get to God the Father. So we can say that it teaches a message of salvation also, amen? See, this began after Jesus had been risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. So what does Jesus leave? Like he told his disciples, right? At the Great Commission. I want you to go baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving you an advocate. I'm leaving you a comforter. I'm leaving you a helper. He was talking about the Holy Spirit here. So what's taking place in verses 31 to 33, we can say that these verses speak about the one coming into the world. The one that, that John was sent to baptize. And he says, when you see something taking place, and, and you might ask, what is that? The Spirit of God descending upon it like, like a dove upon him. This is the one that's going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, let's take a minute to speak about this word, Spirit. See, when we think about the word spirit, biblically speaking, there is a concept in the Old Testament known as redemption. We said this over and over and over. It is one of the most important terms in the Bible. And when it speaks, it speaks about Messiah. It speaks about the one that, that's our Redeemer, that's our Savior. Now, the Jews, they read a passage of Scripture every day. Because remember, Jesus was a Jew and all this revolves around the Jewish nation of Israel and the Jewish people. So the Jews, they read a passage of scripture every day in a synagogue. Every morning, Sunday through Friday, they read this, this, this prayer. And on Shabbat, which is Saturday, they read it in the afternoon. And this prayer is this. It's found in Isaiah 59.20, and it says this. A Redeemer will come forth from Zion. Now, what is this Redeemer going to do, you say? This Redeemer is going to deal with the sins of Jacob. Who is Jacob? Jacob is Israel. So let's look at the word deal. Deal means to turn away. It also, he might, he might say, it's not also to turn away, but the scripture tells us that, that God's going to make a covenant with his people. And we can say this, what is the outcome of that covenant? It is the giving of the Holy Spirit. So why am I saying all this? Because what I want you to see here is there's a biblical connection between redemption and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. You see, John says, I was sent to baptize, but my baptism is a baptism of repentance, John says. In other words, it was to, to prepare people for the one that was coming after me. And he goes on to say that I'm not worthy of him. See, he is preferred to me. He will surpass me. Why? Because he's eternal. 
That's what's going on in verses 31 to 33. Amen? Verse 34. I have seen and I testified that this is God's chosen one. So John the Baptist is saying here that I know for sure that this is the chosen one. In other words, I declare him the Messiah is what he's saying. See, at this time, God gave John a sign to show him who Jesus truly was, that he really was the Savior, that he is Emmanuel, God is with us, that he is the Messiah. So John and Jesus, although they were second cousins, John really didn't know the purpose of Jesus until God the Father revealed it to him. It wasn't until the baptism of Jesus that John really understood that Jesus, his cousin, was really the Messiah, right? See, John's job was to point people to Jesus, to point people to the Messiah, because the Messiah is who they were looking for at this time. And they're still looking for him today, the Jewish people, because they neglected Jesus. They turned their back on Jesus, right? But you see, today, people are looking for someone to give them security in this insecure world, in this dark world. You see, in our job as as Bible-based Christians is to point people to Jesus Christ and to show him that he is the only one that they need to seek, that he is the only one that that could forgive sins, that it is through him and only him that you will have everlasting life. Amen? John's disciples follow Jesus. Now, we're fixing to get in another section here in verses 38 through 42. And it speaks about John the Baptist has a ministry and he's baptizing people and he has a huge following. But this is the humility of John. John tells his disciples, that's the Lamb of God, go and follow him. And they believe John. And we're going to see that they follow John, right? See, and the message for us as Bible-based Christians, right? It shouldn't matter what denomination you are. What, because all of us follow our religion, so to speak. But what matters is this, is that we know in whatever denomination that you follow, that Jesus is the only way to the Father, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Not works, right? Not all good deeds that you do is going to save you. The only thing that saves you is Jesus and having a relationship with him and repenting of your sins. That's what this should teach us here, right? So instead of bickering over what religion you are, this religion's better, my religion's better than your religion, it shouldn't matter. Because we should do like John the Baptist and take on the humility, right? Because it's about the kingdom of heaven. It's about Jesus. It's about leading people to Christ and saving souls. It's not about the religion that you serve. It's about Jesus and the Father, amen? And that's what John the Baptist is teaching us here in the next several verses. Verse 35, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples, So we see here the very next day, John the Baptist was standing and he's standing and he's talking to his disciples and he sees Jesus passing by. Look what he says in verse 36. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, behold, the Lamb of God. So when he looks ahead and he sees Jesus walking towards him, he says this phrase that's so popular. Behold, the Lamb of God. 
who takes away the sins of the world. Now, why is this repeated, you might say? Because it's repeated for a very important reason. This signifies that Jesus is truly the Lamb of God. And Jesus was sent here from the Father to take away the sins of the world. See, Lamb is related to redemption. And here, it points to the fact what Jesus did for us on the cross at Calvary. Amen? Verse 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So we see when John the Baptist says to his two disciples, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. What they do, they immediately leave John the Baptist and they follow Jesus. And this is an example for us that we too need to follow Jesus. That we need to follow Yeshua, our Savior. You see, they had revelation from John that this was the Messiah. So what they did, they believed and they followed. And the question to you today is, do you believe? Are you going to follow? Now the word follow means to submit to, to obey. So one who believes in Yeshua, in Messiah, is called to submit to him. It's called to obey him, right? To be a part of his purposes, to be a part of his plans. And again, I'm going to ask you, are you obeying? Are you submitting to his will? Are you submitting to his plans? Or you want to do your own thing? Verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So we see here that Jesus, Jesus notices them. And Jesus is going to ask them a question. Now, every time Jesus asks a question, it's important because it was for the purpose of revelation that the answer would be more informative. See, it, it would be enlightening to us as to why we should follow him, right? And let me ask you this question. Do you see yourself as a follower of Jesus, as, you, as a follower of Messiah, as a follower of Yeshua? I mean, do you want to really seek him? You see, many people believe that, that Jesus, Yeshua, is our helper. In other words, he helps me out when I'm in trouble, they say, right? He, he gives me the things that I pray for. He gives me the things that I want. So, so what they do is they say, I'm going to bring my request to him, and he answers them if I have faith. No, that's not, that's not true. Really, it's not even biblical, all that I said just now. You see, we're not supposed to tell Jesus what we want. We can ask because the Bible says ask for anything. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be given to you because you see, if you ask for something, if you want something and you ask and he doesn't give it, that means it was meant for your harm. And the father that he is, the great father he is, he's not going to harm his children or put his children at risk of being harmed. So you might be praying for something that you want and God's not answering it. It's not being fulfilled. It's because it's not the purpose and the plans of God in your life because that's going to harm you. See, this is where we make the mistake right here, right? God and Jesus is not in this world to give us our will. That's where a lot of people miss it. See, really what he's here for is to make us a part of his will. Amen? And let's go back to the scripture and notice this great answer that they give. Look again in verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw them. And following, he asks, what do you want? So Jesus notices them. And Jesus says, 
What has motivated you to follow me? Why are you following me? He's saying, right? And Jesus wants them to think of why they are following. That's why Jesus asked this question. But look the answer that they say, but it's a great answer. They say, Rabbi. Now, Rabbi, we know in Hebrew means teacher, right? But more importantly than that, if you dig deeper into the Hebrew language, Rabbi means my great one. And that's what I want you to see here. See, when they say rabbi, you know what they're saying? They're saying, Lord, I want to submit to you because you are the Messiah. You are the Lamb of God. You are the Son of God. You, you are the supreme authority over my life. You are my Redeemer. You are my Savior. What they're saying is, I want to submit to you and I want to obey you. And, and we see that they ask him a question here. They say, where do you stay? So we see that they really want to be around him. They really want to be with him. And the question I have for you is, do you really want to be around Jesus? Do you really want to stay with him? Because he wants to stay with you. But he will never force himself on you. You need to be the one to reach out first. Repent of your sins. Ask for forgiveness. Know Jesus. Have a relationship with Jesus. Spend some time in prayer every day, every morning. Wake up every morning with prayer. Wake up every morning with praising and worshiping our Lord and Savior. And as you walk that walk, that intimate relationship gets more and more closer. And you see that God, the Holy Spirit, will start to move in your life. Amen. God will give you revelation. You will have a peace and a joy that sits over you. Amen. Verse 39. Look what Jesus says. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying. And they spent the day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. Now let's go back to the scripture where it says, come. He replied, and you will see. Now, here's the biblical truth that I want you to see here. When we acknowledge Jesus, the Messiah, not just as our helper, not to someone just to solve our problems, right? To give us what we want, right? Because thinking like that's very immature and it's very misguided faith. And that, that's what a lot of people believe. And that's what a lot of people think, but it's misguided. It's not biblical. But when we come to him and we say this, Lord, like, like these disciples, they say, Rabbi, right? I want to submit to you. I, I, I understand that my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts, right? You know what's best for me. And because you know what's best for me, you have a good plan for my life for the kingdom of heaven. And I want to follow you and I want to obey you. See, when, when we think like that, that's what's pleasing to God, right? You see, how and what we should be saying is, is uplifting things, right? Not my desires, but your desires, God, right? Because you see, if you say this and you think this, that I want my desires, you can take your desires and you should nail them to the cross. Because normally, those things that we want, this is a very important message here. See, those things that we want are rooted in our flesh. And we know that flesh is rooted in sin. So we should take our wants and we should nail them to that cross. And we should submit 
And we should obey Jesus and His will that He has us for our life. See, are we willing to submit? Are we willing to obey? Because that's really that, that, that intimate relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. That are we willing to do His work, not our work, not what we want, not what I want, but what He wants for me. What He wants for you. So He says, come and you will see. So you see, when you go to Him, this is what the Scripture is telling us here. When he says, come and you will see. You know what the scripture is telling us here? Is that when you go to him and you submit to him and you obey him and you want to do his will and you want to do his purposes, that he will give you revelation, that he will give you illumination. That's what he's saying in this scripture here when he says, come and you will see. But that only happens when you allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life. That only happens when, when, you, when you submit to Jesus and submit to his ways and submit to his plans and purposes that he has for you. Amen. The next text in here says this. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent a day with him. And look what else the scripture says. It was about four in the afternoon. So we see that they went to him. They submitted to him. They spent the whole day with him. But the scripture tells us it was four in the afternoon. Now, why does it say four in the afternoon? Because numbers represent something in scripture. Numbers are very important in scripture. You see, some of your Bibles might say instead of four, they might say the 10th hour. That's Hebrew terms. We know that Jesus was crucified at the ninth hour, which was three o'clock in the afternoon. So the 10th hour is four. And that's what the scripture is telling us here. Now, why four? Because four or 10, right? In Hebrew, the 10th hour represents completion. So what the scripture is saying here is this, that when we come before him, when we acknowledge him as our authority, as our Lord and Savior over our life, when we do this and we obey and submit, we will have complete revelation, complete illumination from God the Father through the Holy Spirit, His Son Jesus. Amen? You see, when we do these things, God's going to reveal things to us. Everything that we need to know, everything that God wants us to know, He will give it to you. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said. And he is one of them that followed Jesus. So we see that Peter's brother, Andrew, decides that he's going to follow Jesus. And look what happens when he decides this, verse 41. The first thing that Andrew did was to go find his brother Simon and to tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. So the scripture is trying to make here is a connection between this term rabbi and Messiah. You see, Messiah is the only rabbi. He is the only great one. He is the only one that should have full supreme authority in your life. That's why you should never call somebody rabbi. You should never call somebody father, right? In other words, speaking in, in, in biblical language, like religion and so forth, because God the Father, Jesus, is the only true rabbi. God the Father is the only true father. Right? And, and the Gospel of Matthew taught us that. That you should call no one father but God Himself. Amen? Look what He says. We have found the Messiah. And in parentheses it has, that is the Christ. So we see here that, that He found the Messiah. He found His Lord and Savior. He found the Christ. 
You see where it says the Christ in parentheses, that signifies as something very, very important. This is here to let us know that Jesus truly is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the only great one. Amen. Last verse for today, verse 32. And he brought them to Jesus. So he brings Peter, Simon, at this time to Jesus. Remember, his name's not Peter at this time. It's Simon. So he brings his brother Simon to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John, but you will be called Cephas. And in parentheses, it says, which is translated to Peter. So Andrew brings his brother Simon to Jesus. And look what Jesus says. He looks at Simon and he says, From now on, you will be called Cephas. In the English language, which means Peter. Now, Peter means the rock. Now, we're going to see later on that this becomes very, very important. Why? Because in scriptures, you're going to learn later on, Simon Peter is the one that answers a question that Jesus asked his disciples. See, there's a lot of talk about who Jesus was. And Jesus goes to his disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? And some of his disciples answer back. Some say you, John the Baptist. Some say you, Elijah, you're the prophet Jeremiah. But, but Jesus says, but who do you think that I am? And who's the only one to answer? Simon Peter. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what does Jesus answer? Simon Peter, Peter, he says, that has, has come to you through revelation, through God the Father. Then a little bit later on, we know that the scripture tells us that Peter goes on to be that rock, the rock that will build the church. So what Jesus is telling him here is that Peter, you're going to be called Cephas which means Peter. You're going to be the rock that builds the church, meaning you're going to be the one to lead people. And you might ask, lead people to what? Lead people to the identity of Jesus Christ. Amen? See, a lot of people think, you know, that, 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 that Peter is the one that, that, that founded the church. You know who's the church? The church is not a building. The church is people realizing that Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the one that was sent by God the Father, he came down in human form to bore the sins of the world so we can be redeemed if we have a relationship with him, if we repent of our sins, right? The identity of Jesus that's what the church is all about. And Peter, he's saying right here, you're going to be the one that's going to go out and lead people to find out the identity of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. Hopefully you got something out of this lesson. We appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Go be a blessing for someone this week. Go be the light in this dark world. Go tell somebody about our Messiah. Go tell somebody about Emmanuel, God is with us, our Savior.
Go tell somebody. Be like Peter. Tell people about the identity of Jesus. Until next week, we love you guys. God bless.